you're going to have wall-fitted sheets. Wall-fitted sheets, that's me! It is December 1st, 2021, and this is Rare Encounter, encounter number 73. Asking humbly that you don't scroll away, I'm Abel Kirby. And opening the pipelines of not crude, but lewd oil on cold acid. <laughs> Pour that body oil all over me, baby. Rub it in. <laughs> oh my god. I tell you what, I'm ready for a massage after this damn week <laughs> of moving shit. <laughs> well, you know, I was going to say not that kind of massage, but honestly, I'll go for anything right now. <laughs> after uh, uh, Cotton Gin uh help me move a bunch of crap from maryland put it in a truck and i uh, drove it all the way to ohio and then we unloaded all the furniture up three flights of stairs and so i personally want to thank him uh on the air for putting up with me for that and also if that wasn't enough he also left one beer in the fridge when he left so uh i've got the last Cotton gin you to real mvp <laughs> i got the last budweiser and i saved it i wanted it when i got home from work i said nope i'm saving it for the show so here we go to you cotton gin thank you so much and uh, don't crash and die on your way back to uh, massachusetts now you got a bud and i've got a don't poke the bear don't poke the bear actually it's don't poke the bear d apostrophe o n t hmm is this a simpsons themed beer nope it is a uh, it's not a beer bear. it's another cider oh a cider hmm and the bear there's a picture of a bear on here as well <laughs> with an eye patch yes the eye patch bear the one of a kind i suppose it's like um, yes. Smokey's, and well, Smokey's uh, villain. Something, something to note is oh, something to note is there may be some background noise for me today, as a package arrived yesterday that had a lot of uh, tissue paper wrapping around it, <laughs> which the cat is turning into a nest. Oh yeah, they do yeah. that. <laughs> I take a while to throw out the boxes because I know how much he likes jumping in and out of them. But at the same time, I probably should have put away that tissue paper somewhere. So I should have. But I figured she'd enjoy it more than more than it would be enjoyed just being folded up in a closet. So I heard it so. behind you. I wasn't going to say anything, but I did have a running theory uh, of what it was. Until I thought you had a Lionel train set that was spinning behind you, like spinning around a Christmas tree. That's what I thought it was. No, I don't uh -huh. have one of those. Mm. Ah, that's too bad. The, no, the truth. The truth is much more adorable, anyways. <laughs> what you need is to, you get the cat. Thank you, Flynn. Oh, uh, Flynn needs a little conductor's hat. You know, like a like a jeans, uh, a denim hat with a brim. You know, she would probably rip it apart like the like the motorized toy that I got her that uh, spun around. Oh man, rip it apart. The uh, the fill the filling the filling for the for the puff ball on it is currently sitting on my desk because she shredded the uh, puff ball apart <laughs> on the end of, on the end of the uh, string well if you want to uh, shred something apart you can always uh, join the rare encounter chat and shred us apart uh, while we do the show live every wednesday at 7 p.m eastern 
you can find the show at rareencounter.net. We have the chat room, Rare Encounter, in the uh, Zero Node chat, of course, hosted by uh, Mr. Mark Van Dyke, Void Zero. And uh, we appreciate using his chat room. And we're also on the No Agenda stream. where so You can hear us live there or on the Rare Encounter stream. And, uh, yeah, we, and we appreciate Sir Bemrose for hooking us up with that. Oh, yeah. And we also have the... Do we have a show email again? Yeah. It is show at rareencounter.net. Show at rare encounter. I didn't know what it was, so I'm writing it in my notes right there. There we go. Uh, so you can send feedback. <laughs> Thanks there. to both of us. You can send that uh, for uh, for kind of show feedback, or if you have a suggestion for a topic to cover, uh, I'd love to have. Or the, if you uh, just want to, or you just want to hate mail us. Or if you, yeah, if you just want to uh, send us spam or send us ads for penis enlargement, you know that's fine too. Not that we need that. Nope, not at all. Well, I think we I have... need delargement. <laughs> Giggity. <laughs> What I need is a shrink ray down there. That's what I have to say. Good job. <laughs> God. <laughs> All right. And we start the show, Rare Encounter, just the same way every time with a dick joke. <laughs> well, not every time, but close enough. I, I was proposing. We a, got some uh, other people to thank, too, by the way. Yeah. Let's thank them. And then I have a comment. Yeah. So uh, came in too late for last week's show. But uh, we got another donation from Sir Jimmy of the Hollow Books. Sir Jimmy of the Hollow Books. In the amount of, yeah, in the amount of $4.56. So there's definitely, yeah, there's definitely something going on there. Four, five, six. And he is our executive producer for tonight's show. Nice. We also got another, another donation came in from Cotton Gin for the amount of three Mm-hmm. Again, no note. So he helped me move and he donated to the show. And he gave me a beer. The too. guy is just all around great. Yeah. Oh, geez. Well, thanks, Jimmy. Thanks, Jimmy of the Hollow Books. At free, is it still freehollowbooks.com or is it hollowbooks.com? I can never remember. Still freehollowbooks.com, I believe. Freehollowbooks.com. And uh, Cotton Gin of his website, man, is uh, fun hanging out with him. Uh, we used to hang out a lot, you know, pre podcast, you know, before I was starting moving around. And uh, I haven't seen him a lot in a while. So it was nice to reconnect a little bit. Oh, man. It uh, is always good hooking up again with uh, old friends. We had also hooked up some new technology last week, um, and you had your note online. And I think we moved to a value-for-value value, uh, light, lightning streaming uh, system for our uh, for yep. encounter. So we have... And unlike so many others, we actually have that information directly in our rss feed oh, we yeah. don't need no third-party service to do that fiercely independent is the only way you can describe rare encounter and people who help uh keep us that way are uh people like sir jimmy and cotton gin and we also have some boostograms that came in um i'm pretty sure these both are for rare encounter i'm actually pretty pretty positive they are um, but i need to adjust my script to be absolutely sure it's not including the mp3 file name uh, the first one was just a test one, and I wanted to verify if you got this or not. The 1586 sats, was that one of the numbers you mentioned before? Uh, in 1588. Your... Uh, that could be it. it the, the splits work a little funny. Sometimes they're not quite exact. Uh, the, uh, the sender for that was me, and that was attempt two. The message says, uh, attempt two, welcome boogaloo, cold acid, noted dicks out for the rogue, rogue the bat, <laughs> rouge the bat. Jeez, it's, the bat. It's, uh, it's some kind of uh i don't remember typing that but it showed up again 
And we also had a uh, test from CurioCaster, uh, which I sent that from Breeze. I also tested CurioCaster and just a Boostagram test. So it's coming through. Uh, at least the stuff that I, I myself boosting is working. So uh, if you send a Boostagram using CurioCaster or Breeze, uh, then uh, it looks like it's going to come straight through, which is interesting, actually. I thought I... Yeah. We also got one boostagram from someone who wasn't me, which was on uh, November 25th also. And it was none other than Cotton Gin and it from CurioCaster saying, V for V, go podcasting, is what he said. <laughs> so and that was for 2,400 sats. And uh, I'm sure your, your share is automatically uh, routed to you and my share is automatically routed to me. And there's some other shares that, that are involved. But uh, for the most part, there's no... Yep, I saw that. No internal transfers uh, needed, you know? It's, it makes the accounting really easy. You don't have to worry about anything. Yeah, thanks, Jimmy and Ginny. Now, the next thing... Chat. Yeah. Yeah. Go for it. The next thing for this for this lightning journey is the Ring of Fire that Sir Spencer is going to be doing. And it's going to be a half a million sat Ring of Fire. And that'll get me. That'll get me another couple of channels added to my node. Yeah, and then some of those connections can probably happen easier. The uh, the secret to good lightning payments, I think, is just being well connected to a couple different places. And uh, there's conditions where payments won't go through because there's a minimum or there's a maximum fee set. And if you have to go through too many hops to get from one. Uh, one node to another, then you can exceed, in some cases, the maximum fee that the sender's willing to pay, and uh, it'll just say no route found. So, yeah, there's some there's some voodoo going on there. Then more channels helps. Rings of Fire certainly help too. Yep. Yeah. Well, so uh, I'm looking forward to when that actually happens, but right now I have no idea when it'll happen, and I'm I'm not even sure if Sir Spencer knows when it will happen. Yeah. But he's already thinking about uh he's already thinking about Ring of Fire round four, and he's expecting to do a million at that one. Oh yeah. That's gonna be a just Oh yeah. You have to think, well, I'm putting a bunch of money in this stuff, but you know it, and it's a little worrying. It's like, okay, what's that? Like five hundred bucks or something now. But then when you think about it, it's, it's like almost eight hundred to me. It's it's almost if you think about it the right way and you're in your if you buy into it enough, you're like, well, actually, I'm making, I'm better off putting all my money in Lightning, opening channels where it's working for me, than uh, than maybe keeping it in a bank. So I don't know. There there might be some kind of rationalization game you could play to make it more palatable. Uh, that's certainly what I do. Hoping hoping for hoping for fees on the payments that are passing through your node. I bet. Oh uh, yeah, there's a strategy that. Uh, I, I discussed, Cotton and Jin and I were talking about this a little. What's the strategy for making money with nodes? And to do it, you have to be able to analyze the Lightning Network. And that's the problem, is sometimes it's hard to tell where the traffic's going, especially because of the way the Onion-style routing works. You don't know yep. how many sats are going from what, what node to another, at least not obviously. There's no ledger where you can just look and say, hey, all the traffic's here. I'm going to put my node right in the middle so I make money and undercut everyone else. You know, it's not that simple. So uh, making money's possible, but I I don't know. It's going to take more insight than I have. Yeah. Actually, mining uh, blocks is probably always going to be more profitable than uh, than a lightning node. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, some some initiative on uh, on your part goes a long way. And there was a guy you reminded me of this story. 
we were going to bring it up, I think, when Sir Seat Sitter was on last week. And by the way, uh, thanks to Sir Seat Sitter for coming on, being a guest on our show. It was great having you on. Uh, but it was fun. Yeah, I think we'll mention we'll bring that up again when we do podcast uh, a little bit later on. But uh, the story that you reminded me about was this guy who puts his life size cutout of himself in a store. <laughs> Just stupid. But uh, this was a story where it was a guy on TikTok who's went to a come and go gas station. And uh, that's K- K-U-M and go come and go. They had those in Colorado. Uh, but it's a convenience store gas station. And what he did is. He printed out a life-size cutout of himself that says the Kyle Sheely meal. <laughs> and there's no such thing as the Kyle Sheely meal. And he, he snuck it into a uh, gas station and just kind of put it right up in the middle of the store as if it was a official promotional thing. And it's this ridiculous photo of, uh, of the guy Kyle with his pizza, pizza guitar <laughs> standing on a road. And it, it means nothing, but the, the, prank was he pretended it was an official signage and he wanted to see how long it uh it uh is would would stay up there and so it's been a couple weeks i haven't heard about him taking it down uh last i looked it was still up but that was last week so this is uh you know this is this is the very basis this is the very basis of successful social engineering attacks oh yeah step one to a successful social engineering attack is act like you're supposed to be there Mm-hmm. And that what you're doing is what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. Every everything else is secondary. But if you go into if you go into a place, like and just like walk in like you're supposed to be there, you're there for a reason, right? People won't even people won't even take a second look at you. Oh yeah. And you could do all sorts of things and then walk right back out the same way. The that's exactly what happened. And I can't play any clips from the video today. But he goes on to explain how he got the idea where he was just talking to some people and they said, yeah, big, all the promotional materials just show up in the store. And someone brings them in and the employees at the store have no idea when they're showing up or what's supposed to show up when and where, when it's supposed to go away. Basically, the uh, I guess the corporate uh, or the people who distribute the corporate signage just show up and they put it up and no one bothers them. And then when it's time to change it, they take it down. <laughs> and so he. He got that idea. It's a social engineering attack where he said, well, that that means anyone who can act like they belong could just walk into a store and put up one of these things and no one would know if it was real or not. They have no way of telling. And uh, that was good. The Kyle Sheely meal is complete nonsense, but it, uh, it, uh, I don't know. It's a fun story. I like this kind of thing. It is. That is, I love, I love to see like successful social engineering pranks and this is a prank this isn't really an attack right because he's a, he's just playing along nothing's actually getting stolen nobody's getting hurt from it well yeah it's not like it's not like somebody who walks in and then like accesses some systems they're not supposed to have access to to like steal steal like property or money from a from somebody else or some business or well anything like that i would i would consider if someone got on your website if they went up and just put up a banner ad that that they weren't paying you for and just put uh, put it on your website without asking and you just didn't notice for a while i would call that an attack and the same thing if you went to a billboard and climbed up the billboard and put your own ad up there and covered up the one the one that was supposed to be there you know that's uh that's 
that's not innocuous. You're you're doing something that does have monetary well, value. Well, no, in that in that second in that second case for certain because because the there are economic effects to billboards, right? Like yep. whoever's ad is on there has to pay for it, right? Yep. So putting up your own ads on somebody else's billboard is you're essential you're essentially stealing income from them yep and in this case right so there that that does that does that is an attack and yeah hacking somebody's website or to put on your own ads instead of the ones they had it's the same thing put it and putting up putting up a cutout of yourself that uh that fools people into thinking that there's something that there actually isn't is just a prank well for me it it's like it's like the students at MIT when they would like put put like a Volkswagen Beetle on top of one of the buildings. Ah, uh, yeah, I guess. I guess it's innocuous. It's true. It's innocuous, but you know, you guerrilla marketing has been a thing. He's essentially doing a guerrilla marketing. Well, I know guerrilla marketing's been a thing, and it's it's been a great thing. It certainly. It certainly brought us a lot of amusement, like like, uh, like, like in Boston. Yeah, like we, we brought that up uh, last week. We had uh, yeah. abs in a six-pack. The Moonanites, yeah. The Moonanites. <laughs> and speaking of uh, abs in a six-pack, you were just on it, weren't you? Yeah, I was on it uh, earlier today. We did episode 121. How was it? Me and Sir Seat Sitter. How was it? How'd it it go? was a lot of fun. We got, we got to talk about... Uh, the uh, the vax. We got to talk about the firmament. <laughs> uh, we got on this discussion about souls that led into physics. Souls. It, that led honestly, into it physics. was a very interesting about hour and a half of discussion between us. Oh, cool! Well, I have to yeah. uh, check that out. And so that you know when it's going to get posted? I don't know. He's recording two more shows today. Um, well, I think he might have wrapped up by now the or he might still be doing it one with a guy named Vito. And <laughs> yeah. then after that, he's doing this dad cast tonight. Yeah, the dad cat daddy cast. No, those all show up on shitmyass.com, which is the real website. Or I think he's been promoting Podtard. 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 But I like yeah. shit my ass. I like shit my ass as the URL. <laughs> Shit, Shit is my ass is pretty damn funny. I got to admit, it is a pretty funny URL. Yeah, that's pretty good. And they all redirect to absinacixpack.com. So I'm sure Cold Acid's uh, bit will be up Abs there. Abs in a six pack. Abs in a six pack. There we go. Now we can clip those things. Should we do a yeah. little read for it? 8.30 p.m. He's doing that. He's doing that dad cast with uh, Larry from that Larry show and Sir Spencer and Frankenbones. Yeah. AKA Mr. Dean Reiner oh, of yeah. the Up and Up is Den podcast. Can I eat stickers? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I was reading his website. All right, never mind. Yeah. Uh, we had a couple other things going on. We had some <laughs> let me do the really quick rundown of the other podcasts going on. Uh we had Hog Story 240, Talking Cat at hogstory.net. Wow. <laughs> and the cat looked at me when I did that. Did you see that movie? The Talking He's Cat. At me. Have you ever seen the bad movie, The Talking no. Cat? No. No, I haven't. Oh, wow. I wonder, I, we should get some, uh, we'll bring it up some other time. It's a really bad movie. The Behind the Schemes episode uh, 73, it's called Dread uh, at badradio.live uh, came out. And they had 
on there, they covered something that I was going to bring up. It was in my notes and we never got to it. It was the D.B. Cooper story. Oh, D.B. Cooper anniversary around now? Yeah, it was... I can't I can't remember what date it was now off the top of my head. But yeah, he uh, stole a bunch of money and then parachuted out of the plane with it. Uh, somewhere, he was flying from Portland uh, uh, somewhere. And uh, jumped out of the plane with all the money, and he's never been seen from again. And so it's kind of a famous, uh, he might have died, but, you know, we don't really know. But that's a fun story. Go listen oh, well, to- it was it was uh, 50 years ago last week, yeah. November 24, 1971. Yep. And, uh, that, oh, that was it, because it was on the anniversary of the show. I was going to bring it up last week on the show, because it was one of the anniversaries. We didn't bring it up, though. Anyway, um, yeah. Uh, you, because we didn't talk about it, go listen to badradio.live. Uh, they cover that, that in their last episode at least a little bit. So, uh, Bowl After Bowl, episode 117, also had Bowl Away, bowl away Home at bowlafterbowl.com. Bowl After Bowl. Well, they had Bowls with Buds with Cork S just before that, mm-hmm. uh, which was a fun episode. It's good to hear from Cork S in a solo interview. It's, uh, well, there's a lot of material covered in that one, uh, there's a lot, a lot to chew on, uh, but it was a good, good episode. And uh, now Reverend Cyber Trucker does the metal, uh, the metal moment for the show. Is on to Christmas songs, and I dig that. You know, it's the, uh, the yeah. metal Christmas. He he runs a, he runs a poll that leads up to the next ep- next regular episode of Bull After Bull, and then they play the song yeah. that gets voted on the most. That's great. Well, we got some stuff to do on this. Um, Unless I'm forgetting something. You're missing another show, aren't you? Oh, what am I missing in my notes? Angry Tech News. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I put an image for it. Yeah, Angry Tech News had their 13th uh, episode. Journalism Monopolist. And the only thing I cribbed, usually I go through and try and crib something from that show just to to see. Uh, The only thing I grabbed was this little slide I put in my my show notes, which is from a story uh, Ryan had which was just about the share of the market share of windows 11. And, uh, I thought it was kind of cool. So we have windows 10, 21 H one is 36.3% on this little, it's not even a pie chart. It's an annulus chart. It's a, it's a, they call it a donut chart. It's an, it's become more popular than the uh, pie chart as of late, because I think it, it keeps people's attention focused on the outside of it rather than on this on on the actual center so that's way you'll be more easily drawn to the actual call outs on the chart instead of just like looking at ooh the pretty circle with the pretty colors yep and they and, and so every piece of it instead of being a slice of pie kind of shape it's an annular sector is the name of that shape mm-hmm. Um, so Windows 11 is this little 8.6 chunk, which is bigger than a lot, some of the other Windows 10 types, but, you know, all of these charts are basically, all of these annular sectors are all Windows 10 versions, and, uh, Windows, it's just compared to Windows 11 and Windows 11 Insider, so, you know, it's not, like, market share for everything in the world, it's just showing that Windows 11's picking up a little bit, uh, unfortunately, and so what my takeaway is we're all doomed and we're all gonna die. It's not getting any pickup on my system. No. I'm considering whether I'm going to go to uh, Eros or Haiku when I can't use Windows 10 anymore. Yep. Eros or Haiku, yeah. 
I was actually, I actually, I actually posted earlier today on No Agenda Social that for podcasts, we should actually like work out some sort of uh, OS distribution based around one, uh, one or the other of those, or maybe Morph OS for people who are using PPC machines still mm. for, uh, for like a actual like podcaster setup. So you'd, you'd have like, as the operating system, you'd have Haiku or you'd have Eros and then you'd have like a set of software on top of that that would include like your recorder, virtual soundboard, everything like that, right? Yeah. Man, there's so then, much, yeah, so you'd much ha- to do. It would still be so much uh, so much better than like having to deal with all the bullshit of Windows, having to deal with all the bullshit of incompatibilities when using Linux or uh, BSD. It would avoid the complete bullshit of dealing with anything Apple. Oh yeah, I'm sick of Apple. I yeah, let, let's try. Let's try some. Let's try some like open source operating systems that are not Unix based for a change and are actually like geared towards content creation. All right. And I mean that's that's uh, Haiku and its predecessor BIOS. That's the that's the Amiga operating system and it's Eros and Morpho West spin-offs, right? I've got some audio technology development planned for next year, uh, which this can be a part of. Uh, it's not going to happen until January, though, so I'm going to put a pin in that. But uh, I do want to pursue this. I, I do like the idea of some kind of podcaster package that we could put together that just works. That'd be great, wouldn't it? The first time it actually Absolutely. just works. The only people who can do that are podcasters, real podcasters like us. Yep, and we're going to save podcasting. We are. Oh, man. Uh, we got some uh, some stories. Some, some people got saved, and some people got thrown under the bus, too. Uh, one of the stories that we have is the space sabotage story. I got this off from NAS, uh, and it was Roger Roundy had posted it, and... I had not thought of this story since it came out, uh, but this is the International Space Station Sabotage. Yep. What, what is it with female astronauts and being crazy and or criminal? Yeah, it's, a, you know, on one okay, end... Because this came up, and then that reminded me about a few, about a few others, you know, like... Uh, the, like she, you know, Lisa Nowak. Remember Lisa Nowak? Was she the one who she drove? She drove halfway across the United States to attack a, her ex-boyfriend's girlfriend in a diaper. She put on a diaper so yeah, she, could she, drive she, all she wore diapers so she wouldn't have to make uh, bathroom stops on the trip. Yeah, uh, there was Anne McLean who who was stealing stealing money from her estranged wife's bank account. Yeah. during a custody battle over. Her uh, her spouse's at least then spouse. I'm I'm not sure if they're actually divorced now or not. But about uh, her spouse's son Briggs. Yeah. Um. There is Julie Payette, our uh, our previous uh, governor general up here in Canada, who apparently was not just running a hostile work environment, but one that included unwelcome physical contact. With the people working in her offices as the governor general. Well, you know, when you're up in that space station, she was a close she quarters. was an astronaut before she became before she became governor general. You've uh, when you're when you're up there for so long, you know, it's uh, the sense of 
personal space must go away. It's like you're inside each other all the time. Yeah, but, I mean, men, the male astronauts don't seem to go loopy like this after being up there for so long. Mm. That's interesting. Certain, certainly, when it, when it comes down to it, the uh, the per capita rate of, like, crazy or criminal behavior is uh, different for men and women astronauts. Specifically it's astronauts. Definitely, it's definitely a lot more pronounced with the with the female astronauts. The gynonauts. The gy- they have the the data set, man, of astronauts is getting big enough that we might be able to do some statistics that actually mean something now. You know, once upon a time, there are only a couple astronauts. Now there's so many that, uh, that you can start thinking about rates of, uh, of incidents of things. Very interesting. So astronaut is going to be its own its own FBI statistics group, I suppose, one day. It's, soon they'll take over everywhere. What, a, what an age we live in. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to cite the FBI statistics for astronaut crimes. <laughs> well, this astronaut crime, uh, alleged, is Russia, Russia's space agencies, investigating this story from 2018 where they were up in space and they had the uh, spacecraft docked onto the ISS and the spacecraft was owned by Russia. It was Russians, the Russian craft. And there was a little hole appeared inside it at one time and they say the hole was not there before and they would have noticed because, I don't know, they're in space and when there's a hole drilled in the side then the the atmosphere leaks out and, and it just started happening once. So they found that it was actually a drilled small hole and I put a picture in my show notes. Uh, let me link the Daily Mail article for the for the Rare Encounter chat room. Ba-ba-ba. Oh, boy. I just read in the chat. So we have Servo says, they're closer to the moon. That's why. Well, you know, men are from Mars. <laughs> Women are from Venus. Women go to Jupiter to get more stupid or something, something. Girls go to Jupiter to get more stupider. Boys go to Venus to get a bigger penis. Men are, men are from Mars, women are from uh, Venus, and Dogecoin's going to the moon. Dogecoin! Dogecoin! Fly it away. Good job. Yeah, there we go. Oh, my God. <laughs> anyway, this picture sure looks like it was drilled. I've seen... I can't say that I've seen the insides of spacecraft myself, but I've seen pictures of them before. And uh, yeah, you, either, should, either, you sure don't want to see this. Either that's, either that's a drill hole... Or somebody was smoking a real big cigar. <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe they put it out, and I, I, I don't think that this is anything but someone inside the space station drilling a hole from the inside of the Russian ship uh, while it was attached to the to the ISS. That's the only, based on the evidence I see, that it seems to be exactly what happened. Yeah. What's interesting about this is the amount of apologists. Uh, in the news who like even the the daily mail the articles talk about oh well you know it's a weird wacky russian claim and they're you know they're just lying about this they lied about that the the hole was there the whole time it was the whole time and no one noticed you know it's like oh come on you know the russians have been in space for a long time as if they wouldn't notice someone drilled a hole in their spacecraft not to not to mention that when before the before the craft even gets launched, you do like a fairly a fairly uh, deep inspection of everything because all it takes is like one or two loose screws and the thing will fucking explode before it even reaches orbit, right? So you're yeah. you're you're doing like some some like really 
decent uh, investigation before the crew even boards in the countdown. And, and right, if that was there, if that was there before, right, they wouldn't have launched that Soyuz in the first place. Yeah, it has to go through. I think it's actually a thermovac test. They say it's a vacuum chamber. Um, I know sometimes they put stuff through thermovac where they actually chill everything down to space, or they heat it up depending on what what they're trying to do to um, to the temperature of space, and they suck all the air out, and so it's and they check it for leaks before because you can't like check it for leaks when you're halfway up because uh, you know it's too late to turn around. Then you know you got to make sure that the the capsule can withstand the stresses of being in orbit, and it's a good idea to do it before you go up there. And the Russians know that, so I I think it's. I think it's pretty clear cut. Someone did something and the guys on the space station, I, the people on the space station, I should say, probably know what happened and they're just not saying anything. Um, the the implication, though, that the Russians are putting out, I think might be a little uh, pandering, though, where they had the, the claim that it was uh, this one astronaut, female astronaut, and she had drilled a hole because she wanted to go home because she had broken up with her boy toy who she was uh, sleeping around with on the ISS, having an affair with, I should say, because she has, was married and her husband was back on Earth. And so there's like a... She's still married. Is, the poor, is still the poor married. guy, he was, get, he was getting cucked and then she like, then she like committed sabotage to get away from who she was cheating on him with and he's still with her. Yeah, cocked in space. There you go. <laughs> yeah, it's the cucked story. in space. Cucked in space. There you go. So I don't know. This it'd be interesting to see what happens here. Russia can can't exactly go arrest people, and uh, you know, as soon as international reputations get involved, uh, I, I don't know. It'll it'll be very interesting to they, see they how can this still, plays They out. can still press. They can still press charges. At but it doesn't mean it doesn't mean that the U.S. will extradite her to Russia to stand trial. No, uh, I think that's one of the least likely things to happen in this situation. So, oh well, what can you do? Yep. Don't drill holes in space. Yeah. Let's see. You were going on. I can drill my own damn hole. <laughs> there you go. Good job. Oh, that's a good one. Now I saw you post on NASA, and you you said you brought this up on Abs in a Six Pack, but I didn't hear about this. You you were on a dive for educational games, weren't you? This I didn't I didn't bring this up on Abs in a Six Pack. This is something, this is something that comes around every so often. I start getting nostalgic for for like the computers I got to play around with when I was like in grade three and four. Okay, and that include that includes like not just not just the computers themselves, but the games that were on them. So back back in those days, like in grade three, I was taken away from my local neighborhood school and moved to another school on the other side of the next town for gifted kids. Oh, and this school had like this whole bank of of like the the single like the monitor and and everything combined PS2s the the PS2 model twenty five. And so I really rem I really remember these things. Like you had like the PS2 Model 25 with like the IBM keyboard, click 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 click, right? Because it was like the whole mechanical keyboard thing going on. Clicky clack. And I I'm assuming I'm assuming that they were that they were running uh, off of a off of a PS2 server running OS2 
in the back of the library. Okay. Because they they were all connect they were all connected together, right? And there was this menu system. You would never saw you never saw a DOS. You got to see this this menu, this like text mode menu where you get to choose like what program you want to use. And there is like there's like this VGA mode word processor, and there were a few games. There was like one game where you're on a desert island and you're trying to survive. There was a there's like an EGA PC port of Lemonade Stand. There's Cross Country Canada. And then there were these games where I just couldn't remember what the names of them were. I can't remember the name of the the Desert Island one either. I still haven't found it. Hmm. But I was finally able to dig out the game the games that these like kind of platform style side side view games, right? Mm-hmm. Where you one where you were in a submarine and another where you were like going through ancient ruins. I was finally able to figure out what they were thanks to thanks to like getting to the point of obsession over it last night. And so the games the games that I were able to find <clears throat> were Operation Neptune and Challenge of the Ancient Empires. And these were both from the Learning Company in their Super Solvers series of games. The Learning Company. I never so I never played any of these, but I did play early nineties uh PC games, including some educational games. <laughs> Uh, the ones that I, I was playing were, aside from the, the normal DOS stuff, we had, you know, uh, like the Commander Keen and Jazz Jackrabbit and a couple other of those games on the, uh, we had a couple of those humongous entertainment titles, like the Point and Click Adventures, um, like Putt-Putt Saves the Zoo was one, <laughs> Putt-Putt uh, Goes to the Moon, and, uh, you know, that kind of series where you, you know, go on an adventure, you solve a little puzzle, and you, you every single screen you go to, because you're bored and you're a kid, you just have to click on every single stupid thing, because, oh, if you click on the stump, then a little, you know, uh, a badger comes out and, and uh, uh, snickers at you. And then oh, you like, er, like, early, like early scum games. Yeah, that's it. I think it, would, it may actually like, have been like main, the Like... Maniac Mansion and Zach McCracken in the Alien Mindbenders, where you essentially had to click at every pixel because yeah. they'd have things that were practically invisible, just to just to fuck with you because because at first at first Lucas Arts was really working out of the Infocom uh, design book right on how to do these things where oh yeah where like if you if you don't if you don't grab this thing that doesn't seem to be that doesn't seem to be relevant to anything on like the third screen you'll never be able to win the game yeah it's and you better type everything exactly and you better you better spell every word right and put it in the exact order with the spaces or hyphens where it's they're supposed to be or you'll well you didn't have to do that you didn't have to do that with the uh with the scum games right it gave you it gave you that list of uh verbs and then you could pick the nouns they're at the bottom of the screen, yeah. right? You just mouse over them and click them. Man, it, what I always think of when you say scum, the game that comes to mind is Full Throttle, the LucasArts title. That was the biker one. With, well, I mean, almost almost all the scum games were LucasArts titles, right? I mean, the I whole? mean they can they controlled they controlled scum mm-hmm. until it was uh, open sourced. The 
I don't know. Full Throttle was extra cool because it was like most of these games you played like a car or a dog or a kid with, you know, like Billy Blaze or something. And this was you're like a badass biker dude uh, getting in fights, hitting people with uh, with boards and, uh, you know, breaking into junkyards and doing like cool adult shit, you know? Yeah, it was fun. I always remember the one line, this is really dumb, but the one line I always liked in the game is your bike breaks down and you got to get new forks for it. You got to get a new fork for the bike. And so you go steal it from the <laughs> junkyard. And the uh, when you get it back, someone goes, uh, nice forks, where'd you get it? And the uh, full throttle man goes, right next to the knives and spoons. <laughs> it's, <this stupid laughs> nice. it's this stupid line, but I love it. It's it stayed in my that mind. Is, that time. is a stupid line. I, that is... That is like a dad joke sort of line. I, it's great. Oh, wait. Tim Schafer designed the game I'm reading. Okay, there you go. It's making sense. Now. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that definitely describes it. Right next to the knives and spoons. Hey, it had Mark Hamill doing voice, doing a voice in it. Oh, yeah. The villainous Adrian Ripburger. I can't remember what the hell character that was. It's been so long. I remember you played bumper cars. The hardest part, the thing we could never figure out when we were kids was how you drive the bumper cars around. <laughs> and you didn't have, it, you know, you couldn't look it up on your phone. You had to just keep pushing buttons on the keyboard. We found out that to win the bumper cars, you had to, like, crash. And then you had to go over a ramp and land on top of another car or something and to win the... Like, we could never fucking figure it out until someone did, like, after a month or two of trying, you know. It's one of the, it's like the red barrel in Sonic 3. You just couldn't get past it. <laughs> and uh, you had to keep trying oh, shit. I fucking hate it. I fucking hated that barrel so much. Uh, you and can... then later on, I found, all you don't even have to jump. All you have to do is press up when it's moving up and down when it's moving down. And it'll move even further in that direction. That's all I needed to do. And for all this time, just could not get past that, that barrel because I keep trying to jump and jump higher and try and push it down further. Like, yeah. it was... God damn it, right? We had to get a second player on Tails. You either had to play as Tails or play as Sonic with a second player as Tails. So you could kind of lift yourself up that. Because we could never get through it solo Sonic, you know? You're just... SOL. Yeah. Someone had to come in and you had to call your brother in from the other room to pick you up over the fucking barrel. <laughs> Because there's no way to get by. Oh, <laughs> uh, well. Or have, no, more have them jump on the barrel and get it up and down so that when it's oh, high enough, God. you can slide under it. I have done Ugh. that. I have done that before. Uh, in the dark days when we didn't know how to play Sonic 3. Oh, my God. <laughs> what a pain in the ass that was. Yeah. Well, we got some uh, some local news I wanted to bring up. A little factoid that I did not know of, as I'm discovering things about Columbus, Ohio. And one of them is a festival that comes by, and uh, they didn't have one last year, but it's coming up March 3rd to March 6th. It's the Arnold Sports Festival. Arnold Sports Festival. It is the Arnold Schwarzenegger. As in, like, Ar Arnold Schwarzenegger. Arnold Schwarzenegger has a conference that he has. It's called the, uh, they have the 2020 Arnold Classic is back. And it's, uh, they do the strongman competition, the bodybuilding stuff, and it's all at an expo center. Uh, they also have one event called Figure and Bikini Weekend, which is, uh, an interesting thing to do in March. I don't know. Especially in the um, middle of Ohio. Well... 
I well, mean, it definitely it definitely gets the nipples perky. I bet <laughs> you're gonna cut some. I'm, I'm gonna cut glass with these by the end of it. Oh, that might be God. why. That might be why. It's it's not just they're not just judging how good you look in a speedo or a bikini. They're they want to part of the competition is like how thick a piece of glass can you cut through with your nips? <laughs> what happened to get? Well, he has a he has a inverted nipples and he punctured a lung. It's that fucking cold. <laughs> <laughs> uh oh you don't want those oh my god it's too cold man hey i f i came up with an idea for soundproofing i was yeah i was cleaning up because cotton gin was here sleeping on a spare mattress and so i put it up behind me before the in the pre-show i was getting a lot of echo and i think there's still some in this room it needs treatment but i have the that big queen size mattress that i uh I had to get, it's a long story, but I don't really want it, but I have it. And I just realized it covers this whole wall and it, and the price of it's like 200 bucks for a queen size foam mattress and the, the material's dense. It has to have good sound, uh, dampening properties and compared to buying soundproofing, you know, where you could get a couple base traps or something for like 50 or 60 bucks. You know, it has to be the most economical way to do, <laughs> to get soundproofing material is probably buying these cheapo mattresses from Walmart. This is my new, my my new muse. So I think I might. But what I'm and trying to what? say, you're gonna, you're just gonna buy, you're gonna buy one, and you're gonna take the foam out of it and line the walls with it, or you're gonna buy a whole bunch of them and like staple them to the walls. I'm thinking. <laughs> Here's what I, I really thought about this before the show. I think I can get the mattress. I think I can get some decorative uh, fitted sheets or something, you know, so they, you know, with the Sonic the Hedgehog or so, or a car or something, you know, something that doesn't look like it's an empty mattress, you know, and I can hang yeah. them on the wall. It'll just look like a regular, uh, you know, uh, regular so, wall. So instead, instead, of, instead of wall scrolls, like all these other weebs, you're going to have wall-fitted sheets. Wall-fitted sheets. That's me, baby. <laughs> oh, my God. It's great. You know, it's great. And then I can buy all those crazy sheets that I've <laughs> always wanted and I never could get. I'll be raiding the, e the Ewok sheets and the droid sheets. <laughs> yeah. Actually, as a, as a kid, as a kid... We actually had those at my grandparents' house. Oh, my. Yeah, and you wanted to sleep in that? I want to sleep in the car bed, Grandma. <laughs> <laughs> the droid sheet. No, we had, like, we, there was, like, one set of sheets that was, like, from, based on the Ewoks TV show, and there was another set of sheets that were, like, Star Wars droids. Oh, man. That's great. Star Wars Did you droids. ever see those shows, by the way? The Ewoks and droids? Yeah. Back in, back in the days? Was it a cartoon? Yeah, they were cartoons. Yeah, we got that at the local video store. <laughs> we rented that VHS a couple times, if I remember right. I can't remember what the hell happens in it, but I remember it. The E, 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 and, E, and, E, Ewoks. And droids, yeah. It had droids was one of the features, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a droids cartoon. Yeah, they were they were both produced by Nelvana. Jeez, I haven't thought about that in it must be 20 years. Oh, my God. You know what I just learned? What? The opening theme for Droids was performed by Stuart Copeland. Uh-oh. What do you mean, uh-oh? Uh-oh. You're going to make me want to listen to it. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, that's what you mean by uh-oh. Yeah. I don't have play out today. He did, I, I mean, he did a lot of stuff after the police broke up, you know? He's yeah. still doing a lot of stuff. 
We keep getting back to like Sting. I guess it's not Sting. It's Associated Acts, right? Spy- yeah. Wait a minute. Spyro the Dragon soundtrack? Hmm. Interesting. I did not know yeah, that. Yeah, he did the Spyro series. Yeah. Well, you know, there needs to be a good music podcast out there. Uh, I'm waiting for one to emerge. And uh, I was trying to egg uh, Cotton Gin into, into doing his own show. Because he could do a, a show about music on the, if he uh, wanted to. Yeah. On the other hand, he also did the soundtrack for Highlander 2. Oh. You know, the one that nobody wants to admit exists. Yeah. I never actually saw that movie, though, so. Neither have I. Thank God. Everything I've heard about it makes me want to stay away. It makes me sick to my stomach. That's what I say. Oh, what do we have in chat? Oh, we be- yeah. we got boobs in chat. Boobery says... Oh, a couple of things, full throttle. This is the educational game I remember. Yeah, what's it give? Give me a math blaster. Yeah, that I played that one. Where math you... blaster. That's one that came out the year I was born. Yeah, that's a classic one. That and the uh, the ones where you learn to type by. What did you do? You could you they give you a script like you could type the Declaration of Independence and it would just prompt you and you know you have to touch type it as fast as you can. Those are useful programs. Math blaster. I don't think got me yeah, using Reader the Rabbit. Math Blaster well, didn't get me the using Oregon the Oregon Trail. Bad, you know? I mean, you know what the biggest lesson was with the Oregon Trail? Always treat your water. <laughs> Always treat your water. I thought it was uh, load up with eleven. I think grand. if any, anybody anybody who played who played the Oregon Trail uh, a lot as a kid and did not pick up that lesson, I don't think they were playing it right. <laughs> the. Uh, the strategy where you get a either, 11, either that or they yeah it's either that or they just really enjoy shitting themselves to death yeah i like the strategy where you get 11 grandfather clocks and just try and survive and then eventually die anyway there's yeah people well, who speed i mean run that though there's a there's some strats to finish uh with a very high rate of success extremely fast and i can't think of them well off of the course there head, is every every video game you will find strategies to like beat the game speed. And I mean, speedrunners. I mean, they will, they will find the fastest way through anything. What about that's, that's what operation Neptune. Tell me about what, how do you speed run operation Neptune? I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a speedrunner. runner, ah, but bad. I bet you can do it. We're going to start. We're going to get the, uh, the, uh, all time. We're going to get the world record for operation Neptune. <laughs> I've never even played the game, man. Operation. I'm just checking to see if there's a speed run. Operation Neptune on speedrun.com. Player. Oh, shit, there is. Hold on. (laughs) (laughs) What's the fastest time? 38 minutes, 41 seconds uh, on MS-DOS by, what is it? Ms. Riley Gerps. And yes, there is a, (laughs) there is a world record for Operation Neptune. Holy shit, there is. This is great. Nice. Of the US. Uh, Odd Tom comes in second at 45 minutes, 35 seconds. Mm, Odd Tom, you gotta you gotta step it up. Wow. <laughs> I didn't expect that. And there's that one. another one as well, Ancient Empires. Ancient Empires. Now, I saw a screenshot for that, and I read a description. I've never played the game, but I understand you use a helmet-mounted lamp to illuminate ancient Egyptian prisms. To open doors is that yes true? Okay. that is true i just wanted to check it sounded kind of fun yeah so you can there's like all these puzzles this also has this also has one where you have to like 
you find you find things and you have to put them together like the pieces of the artifact you gather and it's just, it's assembling a picture right is essentially what it is you drag the pieces to the places or you well really you use the cursor keys to select a piece press enter to pick it up and then the the cursor keys again to put it to put in the place you believe it goes hmm. so it- you're doing you're doing that and then you get some information about the artifact after solving the problem. So it is educational then? Yes, these are educational games. They're supposed to be. Mm. But yeah, so the the like the it's not it's not exactly like the miner's helmet where you've got like the the flashlight on it. It's more like a laser beam that a really slow laser beam that you shoot out of it. So it's more like your helmet. Is it more like Cyclops or the Predator? In terms very of, slow cyclops very slow cyclops okay just checking yeah and so there are these there's these like mirrored triangles around in the egypt levels you have to make sure that they're rotated the right way so that way your laser beam will hit the target after bouncing off of them all accurate artifacts from ancient egypt prisms mirrors all of those things they had yep <laughs> yeah uh, even lasers even ancient la- egyptian lasers uh, eat your heart out einstein einstein b coefficients I mean, are important. i mean when they considering they built the pyramids to be like landing sites for ufos right why couldn't they have lasers in ancient egypt i guess i i don't know if you're gonna have ufos you know you might as well have every, everything you know it's uh, what the sky yeah, like lasers like lasers Oh, man. Gay, I don't think Egyptians had gain medium. I think that was something else. Something that came in the 60s. That's just my thought. That's just my feeling. All right. All right. Flat e- <laughs> Big Sky Rider is promoting the the theory of flat Egypt. <laughs> no agenda. Flat Egypt. <laughs> flat Egypt is uh, my new favorite theory. <laughs> now, the Earth is round, but Egypt is flat. Those pyramids... Well, they- it is, except for the pyramids. So Those pyramids just appear to be tall. They're flat. <laughs> no they built they built the egyptians built the pyramids to attract ufos because they felt egypt was too flat as it was and so the pyramids gave gave egypt a bit of shape so that the ufos would come and take them to a place where it wasn't so flat i think they're bad that's my headcanon i'm sticking to it i think they're battle spikes for planet fighting Hmm, that's a good theory, too. Yeah, we're going to pull a whole gun buster and crash the Earth into another planet for uh, as, an, uh, as a, a weapon. Man, they really fucked up the I solar like system. It. Did you see Die Buster? They really fucked up the solar no. system in all of those shows, man. They had <laughs> First they took, well, the Earth was kind of screwed up, and then they, they had to fight the aliens at the center of the galaxy, and they said, well, we got to make a black hole. How do we do that? Well, we're going to go to the planet Jupiter. <laughs> And we're going to compress Jupiter into a hole. Uh, so it's it's nearly a nearly a black hole. It's just we're going to compress Jupiter. So it's a small little pit and we're going to call it the black hole bomb. And it's this giant ship, which is actually larger than Jupiter. We're going to fly it off to the middle of the galaxy. And then we're going to give it the last little push to make an extra black hole and suck up all the aliens. It's like the the craziest weapons inside Gunbuster. That still doesn't, I, I don't think that still beats, like, using spiral galaxies as shurikens. Yeah, that was, you, the thing about Gunbuster, though, it was 
sort of, it, I won't call it hard sci-fi, but it was harder than Gurren Lagan. I mean, Gurren Lagan. Well, I mean, I mean, like, I mean, like, a slice of cheese is harder sci-fi than Gurren Lagan. <laughs> yeah. This was the, the show starts with a uh, woman in a bikini rappelling into a cave with a sniper rifle and fighting a, what was this, some kind of crab robot that's, uh, it's angry about drills. You had me at woman in a bikini with a sniper rifle. Yeah, that was Yoko. She's got the sniper rifle. All right, there we go. What do you got? You got anything to add before we wrap up this show? You got some stories. Oh, yeah, there's right? some stuff. There's some stuff that we definitely always have to discuss on Rare Encounter. Let's put a couple. We need a few good taters. It's potato news on Rare Encounter. Potatoes. So it looks like there might be hope for Prince Edward Island yet. There is a government industry potato working group that is coming together to help the farmers in PEI with this uh, potato blight they are facing. Mm. The po- you mean, it's not a blight, though. It's potato warts. Yeah, it's a blight of warts. In seed potatoes, if I remember the story right. Well, they're blocking seed potatoes. It might be on the regular potatoes, too. But, uh, mm. yeah, it definitely seems to be something with the seed potatoes. So how does this working group work? What are they doing? They are, they started discussing things on Wednesday, so they might have, they might have, like, some idea of who to beg for money in another three months. Mm. Can we, can we just ship them a bunch of Valtrax and have them uh, spray it all over the potato field? Valtrax? For the, for, for the awards? <laughs> Why not just why not just go through all the potatoes and you know you get those you get those like plantar donut things right stick them on the stick them on the potato warts and a day or two later <laughs> oh, you yeah. pull them off wart and all you could get a can of freeze spray <laughs> freeze them off yeah oh man uh well potato papilloma virus is that the, is that what they're caused by okay I'm done <laughs> oh man I've got some more potatoes potato news as well hit me with some potato news nigeria it's 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 nigeria wants to be among the top three potato producers in the world within the next uh well now i guess three years yes they're making a big push i heard this yeah they're making a big push to be to be potato pros they have a um some significant agriculture down there don't they yeah apparently apparently Apparently, they are the seventh highest producer of Irish potatoes already. Yep. Now, I think we knew that from the map. At one point, we brought up the map of where potatoes are grown uh, in the world by, you know, I think it was by volume or by count. I can't remember which one it was, but it was all over the place, and it was not where you expected it. It was all over Europe, China, and uh, in Africa. And then there were tiny yeah. little pockets in Oregon and Idaho. <laughs> You know, most of the potatoes in the world are not being grown in Ireland or America. They're being grown all over the place. Well, ever since ever since the 1840s, they haven't. Ireland hasn't been as uh, big a producer as everybody expected. Yeah, I mean, I think I think in some ways, Ireland still hasn't really recovered in a uh, in an agricultural sense from the uh, potato famine. 
And that was like, what, almost two centuries ago now. It was like the 1840s, so like 180 years ago. Yeah. Region, is this the one? No, it's a PepsiCo. I was looking for the map. I can't find it, unfortunately. So, I'm... Sir Br- Sim Brimrose also makes a good point. Ireland doesn't have enough land area to be a huge world crop producer anyway. Yep. Oh, I found the Tasmanian potato lover. Wait a minute. <laughs> Look at Tasmanian your... potato lover. Yeah, if I ever saw one. That's him. Where? It was in my... No- oh, it, it was a bit from an old show last year. Oh, okay. It was the guy with the Tasmanian potatoes. <laughs> uh, it's just funny what sticks with you and what you forget. Yeah. Oh, well, uh, we wish the best of luck to the Prince Edward Island working group uh, for potatoes. What is it? Potato and let's see. Let's see if uh, let's see if they can uh, pull this off in uh, Nigeria and become one of the top three. All right. Yeah. About um closing out, or you got any? You got anything more to hit me with? We're up at our uh, we're up at our uh, ending point, though. There, yeah, there is one other thing that I do definitely want to bring out this week. Okay. And and. You know how you know how an artillery shell is usually packed with explosives and uh, bits of metal, right? Oh yeah. So how about find how about finding in your home in Michigan an artillery shell from World War One? It's still got a lot of metal in it, but in place of explosives, it's got old it's got old paper money, and the bits of metal are also old uh, coins. Interesting. Yeah, very interesting. Hmm. Very interesting discovery of this. Essentially, essentially, this artillery shell was being used as a container for antique coins and some old paper money and other things. I thought maybe it was maybe it was one of Ron Paul's money bombs from from, from back <laughs> could the day. be. Yeah, it could be. Oh, yeah. Good. So they found. So this family found the shell. And well, of course, what do you do? What do you do when you find like an old piece of artillery? You call the cops. Oh, you don't hit right? with a hammer. The cops came. The cops came, and instead of doing the usual, like we're just we're just going to get the disposal robot to blow itself and the and the shell up, they used X-ray. They used an X-ray device to examine to examine the shell and determined that it was not live. And that it was full of antique coins and bills from the late 1800s through up to, I guess, around World War One. Inside of it, cool. The cop, the cops then confiscated the shell, but they left the loot with the family. That's a shame. It's an honestly, ar- honestly, to be, I would have wanted to keep the shell as well if I, that was me. Yeah, it's an inert shell. What are they taking it for? You know what they're gonna do? Yeah, they're, they're gonna make a souvenir. They're, with they're it. gonna. Yeah, exactly. It, it's it's not like it's being confiscated for anyone's safety. It's because one of the cops wanted to put it on his uh, wanted to put it on his coffee table. Yeah, yeah. That's civil forfeiture for you, people. We need it. Yep. <laughs> we need Rob Paul send him the money bombs. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> it's crime, I tell you. It's theft. Um, it is well i mean there's weirder things to find inside uh inside bombs i mean have you ever read gravity's rainbow no but i can imagine something i can imagine finding something much worse than old explosives inside a inside of artillery shell 
What if the artillery shell was full of spiders? Mm, ooh, that's pretty bad. Gravity's yeah. Rainbow, they had a V2 shell, a V2 rocket with a, a very special, uh, very special nose cone on it, if I remember right. But we'll leave that. You can go read Gravity's Rainbow to find out what that one was about. Uh, I'm not going to tell you. So, what I will tell you is that this is the end of Rare Encounter. We're wrapping up the show. This episode. This episode. Yeah, not the whole show, just this episode. And uh, until next week, I'll, uh, I've been Abel Kirby. I've been Cold Acid. Uh, keep it fruity, boys. Adios. I had a good woman. But she laid down, honey, and died. Oh, I had a good woman. But she laid down and died. Don't you know everybody tell me she wasn't satisfied?